All right, everybody, welcome into the late week edition of Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FairLakes1.com. Coming to you guys live from the FairLakes1.com studios, Paul Russo, and of course, as always, Kyle Evans. Kyle, happy Thursday. It's been a tale of two teams in the Big Apple this week, to uh, say the least. Yeah, and if you're on the Yankee side of things, things are going pretty well. I mean, winning first of the force, uh, first uh four of the six games um that's that's a pretty good start yeah it's uh like i said it's been about as good as you could hope for for the yankees uh for the mets less than ideal and we will begin with the pride of flushing uh swept by the brewers um in fairly <laughs> rough fashion to say the least it just seemed like nothing really showed up until it was a borderline too late as I click on the wrong tweet. There we go. Got the right one up. Uh, but, um, yeah, it just seemed like everything got clicking just far too late for, for the Mets when it kind of mattered most. Um, and when it was all said and done, they get swept by a very competitive Brewer team. Yeah, and I thought Francisco Lindor said it well in his post game yesterday that, you know, the Brewers just did everything better. Um, you know, on the offensive side and defensive side, and, you know, those games, those series are going to happen, but it's certainly not acceptable regardless of what month it is. Yeah, and I, I don't know where I – I, I want to start, I think, I guess, on the pitching side of things here where, uh, you know, you could make a case that literally no, nothing even showed up really, I guess. Obviously, uh, on offense, it's been a struggle and a half here the past four days, really, four games – for the Mets um, to the point that they hadn't scored a run until yesterday, and I think it was like 20 innings or something like that. Yeah, and they're um, giving up a ton of runs. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I think that's where we can kind of maybe circle back a little bit here. Is trying to, and look, it's early on. It's hard to dissect what is going on or what went wrong in a series, but um, you know, I shared with you an image that I saw on Reddit um, yesterday in regards to Max Scherzer's start. And I, I do want to – I think it's worthy of discussion, right, as um, you see the graphic here. Uh, saw it on Reddit in courtesy of Baseball Savant, StatCast. We have pitch release points here for Max Scherzer uh, in his start Tuesday. And you can very clearly see each of his pitches has a distinct different pitch release point. Now, it's not, say, tipping a tipping a pitch the way that – we maybe commonly refer to it as, uh, but I'll defer to you here, Kyle, because you're a pitcher. Um, the release point can be very telltale and very indicative of what could be coming. Yeah, and when you're in the major leagues, you know, you pick that kind of stuff up uh, immediately. You know, you got guys talking on the bench about it and everything, relaying messages. So um, it's definitely uh, a big deal when you get to the major leagues and you're tipping pitches. Um, so I'm interested to see if. He does make, I think he's going to make adjustments and you know before his next start, and we'll see if that kind of changes his performance. Yeah, and, and it's strange because, I mean, obviously we look at this graphic, and for Max, uh, he doesn't change his arm slot really at all, right? It's very much so at the same spot. So a lot of that is going to be that release point, you know. And for a batter, you know, it, it, it varies – I'd say stadium to stadium. So Milwaukee, their backdrop is pretty big, their batter's eye. So you'll be able to kind of tell a little bit better than, say, maybe 
like Fenway, for example, or something like that, where the batter's eye is a little bit more smaller in nature uh, in terms of like, I'm talking height-wise, because that's where you're really going to be able to tell the pitch point release because it's stuff that's gauge in some spots, right? And if you look at it, it could be something as more like a timing mechanism. Like if you hold it just for a split millisecond later, that could be all you need to know between the turning factor of if he's going to say go four-seam fastball to say a curveball or something like that. Yeah, and, you know, he wasn't just giving up runs. I mean, he was giving up back-to-back home runs, three home runs total, just something you wouldn't see out of Max Scherzer. So I think you definitely um, picked up on the right thing. He probably was tipping his pitches, and it was very noticeable to that Brewers lineup. And and like you said, Kyle, I mean, we know what Max is. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, one of the best of our generation to do it. He'll make those adjustments pretty quick. I, I can't imagine, especially the way he operates, right, that something like that's going to be uh, in his repertoire for, for too, too long, right? It, it's something that I think he'll move quickly off of and move uh, – you know, something to at least make the difference right for him fairly quickly. Um, let's let's go back and discuss the offense, though, because you brought up, you know, Lindor frankly called probably, you know, himself and his teammates out on it a little bit, right? You know, the fact that Brewer showed up and they didn't. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to look too far ahead immediately because we'll be discussing, obviously, the series against the Marlins here in, in just a few moments. But, you know... It's if you plan on competing in the National League and the Mets, right? I mean, we're talking a goal far greater than just winning the National League East or winning the National League for them. You can't have moments like this against, you know, like I said, this is a plucky Brewer team. They're going to compete. We know what Corbin Burns can do. Um, they faced, you know, Peralta, who. Very good pitcher, but not great, I mean, by any means. Certainly not Corbin Burns level. So um, it, it's tough because, like I said, it's early in the season. I don't know if you really shake up the lineup in some way, shape, or form. You know, do you put I, – I don't know. Do you do, like, Pete at the two spot or something like that? Like, I, I'm just kind of spitballing here because, uh, look, they're going to be off today because they already preemptively did because of the weather, you know, you get more work in the cage, in the batting sim? I don't know. Um, it's early in the year that I don't think it's as big an issue as, say, like the pitching stuff is at the moment. But, like, I, if they were to go through and struggle against the Marlins, I, there's going to be a lot more red flags, in my opinion, popping up for the Mets, at least in the immediate. Yeah, I know they got shut out in the first two games of that series against the Brewers. But it just seems like right now Alonzo and Lindor are the, really the only ones contributing every day. Right. Even if they're not driving in runs, they're getting hits. And in baseball, I mean, you can't really have one or two guys just carrying the team game after game. You have to have other guys up and down that lineup to step up. And that's exactly what the Yankees are getting. I know we'll talk about them later, but that's the difference in the New York teams right now. The whole lineup is contributing. And, you know, even though sometimes their relief pitchers have given up runs, they're scoring enough runs because their whole lineup's contributing. Mm-hmm. And the Mets just aren't doing that right now. But the good thing is, you know, we're very early in the season, lots of games to, you know, kind of heat up. And, I mean, we're not even in the summer yet. So maybe that'll change. But right now, it is a little concerning. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, let's shift focus here. The injury bug is a hole here for the Mets. Um, 
let's start with the positive, I guess, here. We, we don't have enough negative. Let's, let's try and get positive in here. Justin Verlander uh, got some imaging done yesterday, uh, showed reduced inflammation. So he'll continue flo uh, throwing. And, you know, if you see the tweet right now, uh, if you're watching anyway, uh, you know, the Mets are saying he'll, you know, more updates as follow. But it, it's a big, big positive here because um, you have Verlander back in there, insert him right away. Um, and it's weird because, I mean, if you obviously small sample size, and what's funny is we'll see both these guys this weekend for the Mets. But, you know, Mago was the guy who, who plugged back in for him. And what's funny about this now is the fact that Carrasco might be the one outside looking in for the time being. Yeah, um, I don't think I really expected that um, to start the year. Mm. But one thing I will say about Verlander, we kind of talked about it last time. Um, this injury, man, is just so bizarre. Like we talked about, he continued to throw while he was injured, and now the the inflammation has been reduced. I'm just not sure I've ever heard something yeah, I, like that. I don't know either, man. Like it's, how is it even humanly possible? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I That's why I feel like uh, we, we are sitting in these chairs and not in another chair at – Presbyterian Hospital or <laughs> wherever like that down in New York City, but it, like I, I said, it's good news. Right, I mean, uh, good news is good news here. It's like I said, it's a big positive because you get him back to you get a guy in the clubhouse at least who look he's been exposed to winning here very much so the past handful of years, and another guy like that in the clubhouse might might help out this team, especially the young guys too. Yeah, they will. You know, the pitching has struggled too, just like the offense. So getting him back in the rotation would be huge and. You know, maybe getting a guy like you said like that, like a veteran guy, will help boost this team a little bit. All right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, earlier today, uh, uh, while I was tending to my fresh takes duties, Kyle, you, uh, you're able to scoop some news here for us as well regarding Omar Navarez. Uh, what, what's been going on with him? Yeah, he actually left, um, I, th I believe it was the fourth inning yesterday's game with uh, what they originally called as calf tightness. And... You know, now they uh, come to find out after testing, he's going to miss eight to nine weeks with a strain of his left calf. And it's considered what they're calling a medium to a high-grade strain. So it's, uh, I guess I would say, on the, the worst end of it. Um, so that's why he's going to miss nearly two months. And it's a blow because he was hitting 286 with a couple of RBIs and, you know, was the starting catcher. Um, and, you know, they just signed him to a one-year deal in the offseason. So, you know, it's not what you want, but if Francisco Alvarez comes up as he's expected to come up and hits, then I guess you kind of forget about it a little bit. Yeah, I, and it's tough, too, because, um, you know, it's pretty much something that we discussed, um, you know, a matter of really about a week and a half ago when the rosters were more or less finalized and, you know, the fact he made it, and he's a very good offensive bat as a catcher. I mean, we know that, but um, – to lose him for two months, it's it's going to be tough, and it looks like it's going to be Francisco Alvarez's time to shine, more or less. Um, yeah. Let's um. Well, you know, let, let's talk about this right now too. So, so Brett Beatty, um, down at Syracuse, um, also has now been dealing with some injuries himself. Right thumb inflammation had to exit the game yesterday against Rochester. Correct. Um. It was Tuesday's game, but yes, oh, it was Tuesday, against Rochester. Yes. That, don't mind me and my dates getting mixed up at this point. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that that's pretty big because we talk about struggles and, uh, you know, the guy that the guy that might be struggling the most in that Met lineup at, in terms of regulars is Eduardo Escobar. 
Yeah, I thought um, if I, I think I said it last show, if Escobar continues to struggle, I think we'll see Beatty really soon. And now, you know, he left the game with inflammation. Um, so I don't know how long, he, you know, he's listed day to day, but still, you never know with that. And so now I really don't, I think they might just have to ride it out with Escobar, but they did bench him back to back days against right handed pitchers, which really stood out to me. You know, he's one for 16 with seven strikeouts on the year. His at-bats just really haven't been competitive. But knowing Escobar and how his career has gone, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to continue to struggle like this because yeah. he seems like a really good contact hitter. Yeah, I mean, it's a pro's pro but at the dish, hitting-wise. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, could this be where Mark Vientos possibly comes up at some point as well now at this point? I, I don't know, maybe Ronnie. Uh, I doubt Ronnie, but... I lean Mark probably first. I, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'd i expect him to get it right. But if he doesn't, you got to turn to those young guys, you yeah. know. So, all right, for the Mets, kind of tease it off a little bit here. They head home for the first time in the season to face the Marlins. First game was supposed to be today, but, alas, they have a de facto off day today because of the weather. So it will be a f true, as we call it, three-game series starting tomorrow afternoon at City Field. Uh, for the starting pitching, it will be the three guys who have already faced the Marlins. Uh, in well, no, only one, or all but one faced the Marlins, excuse me. Uh, so Edward Cabrera, <laughs> I almost called him Eduardo. <laughs> Edward Cabrera uh, also faced the Mets, no decision, a five and a half ERA. He goes against Tyler Magel tomorrow, first pitch at 110. Find that on SNY or MLB Network. Saturday at 4:10, first pitch on SNY. It will be Trevor Rogers against Kota Senga, and then Sunday will be to be announced. The Marlins' favorite pitcher against Carlos Carrasco. Uh, this is an early season get it right type game, uh, type series for the Mets, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I, I didn't want to do too much of it a few minutes ago, but now I think we can. I think this is. Maybe outside of Cabrera, because we don't know what we'll see out of the Marlins on Sunday. Uh, we know Trevor Rogers; he didn't look good in the one start already here. <laughs> this is a big, big series for this Mets offense, in my mind, to, to get it right. Um, Pitching-wise, we, we saw what Magel did. We saw, obviously, what Senga did. Uh, could be also on Sunday a get-it-right game for, for Cookie. Um, I have a hard time believing the Mets – lose this series i'll go ahead i'll go to the alleged i'll say they sweep the marlins to be honest and i expect them to because they need to um if you're going to be one of the odds on favorites to win the world series this year this is the type of series after the series you had against milwaukee that you just need to go out and you just need to handle business and get it done quick and get it done right yeah uh they should win this series and i think they will and it's kind of weird that they're playing them again. I mean, they played mm -hmm. them, you know, to open the season. But um, if they were to lose this series, then I can understand um, Mets fans being very frustrated because, you know, they're on paper, I guess you could say, they're clearly better than the Marlins, and the pitching kind of matches up better for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they got to find a way to win the series at home. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree there. All right, let's uh, head up anyway. I-95 to the Bronx because uh, the Yankees were able to handle the Phillies, took two or three from the defending National League champions. Um, more positives and negatives for the Yankees in, in this series in the past few days. Uh, Garrett Cole and, and Glaber Torres, it's 
pretty much their worlds and we're, we're living in it. Let's start though with the ace of the staff and Garrett Cole uh, just went out in just another classic Garrett Cole game really to be honest um, yesterday. Um, went six and a third, pitch count was a little bit high but you know eight strikeouts, you know one earned, just again another classic handle business type moment for, for Garrett Cole. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that, um, you know, that earned run was charged to him. Loisga came in and gave up a hit and then gave up a sack fly, which was charged to him. But actually, that whole thing started, I don't know if you saw or were watching live, um, Garrett Cole received a pitch clock violation, which allowed um, that guy to get on base, and yeah. that's when Boone came out and pulled him. So that was just unfortunate um, for him. But still, one run in, I think, 12 and one-third innings this season. Not bad. Um, that's that's a hell of a start. Way better than his previous seasons in New York. Right. And, and you know, it's it goes without saying. He's, he's setting the tempo for that pitching staff. And a, a staff, really, and this is one that we'll get into here in, in just a couple moments as well. Because I do want to discuss Domingo Herman, who really had the only blemish in my mind of the series. And I don't know if it's – deep of a blemish to be quite honest so um well like i said we'll get to that in a minute but you mentioned right the amount of players in the Yankee lineup really stepping up and none more than than glaber torres just i mean red hot to start the year continued it um <laughs> throughout this philly series and i i'll be the first one to submit my potential apology letters even though i'm a glaber guy but um you know, I saw those circling around, you know, your apology forms for Glaber Torres, but just what a spot. And especially, again, now this is something that we can kind of hitch to, is especially with as much as we like to dunk on the guy, especially with Josh Donaldson going down here, at least for the next couple of days at least. Yeah, I mean, he's been huge and a reason why they're 4-2 right now. And one thing that I noticed, I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. it seems like his swings this year, he's just more relaxed and doesn't try to kill the ball every time. And I always thought that Glaber could be a really good hitter if he just stopped swinging so hard and yeah. just went for contact. And now you saw, like yesterday, he got two uh, two out RBI singles because he's not trying to kill the ball. He's just putting it in play. And, you know, he's playing really good defense. And how about the stolen bases? He has five stolen bases already. He's getting on base and just running. So just a completely different player this year and off to a really good start that I hope continues because if he puts up numbers like he did in 2018, 2019, this would be huge. Yeah, I, I was going to say his swing, structurally nothing's changed in terms of when he's in the box and waiting for the pitch. But I don't I don't think he has too high of a leg kick anymore. It's very smooth. Um, kind of allows the ball to do its thing almost, like you said. Um, and, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Not known exactly for his speed, but yeah, I mean, with the pit, the way the pitch lock is now and everything, I think this is where you see guys maybe like Glaber, and he's taking advantage of it. You know, kind of show. You know, I I got a little bit of legs with me too. You know, I can I can take off if I got to. And I do think making that change, you know, um, uh, position wise, going back to second really um, calmed things down for him. I think he was under just so much pressure at shortstop. Mm -hmm. And then when he's making those few errors, it just got in his head, and it affected him at the plate. So I think he's just a different player, different mindset this year. Um, but, again, we're only six games in, so I hope he continues it. Right. And I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, uh, let's, I do want to circle back here to something I mentioned with Herman. 
look, took the loss in the in the middle of the three games, four uh, one, and you got all four earned runs. If that was a game that the Yankees, like I said, the only true blemish, but that was the day that the offense didn't really show up, you know, too too bad, too too much until really it was too late, you know. LeMahieu had a home run in the ninth, but um, I didn't think he looked that bad. I'll, now look, he left one for Shorebird. He took it deep, right, and that was that was more or less where he found himself in trouble, right, where those home runs he kind of left him hanging and. Um, just I wouldn't say typical Herman stuff that we see, but you know, if again, to me, I, I thought he looked pretty good, and he's going to be a big catalyst here, I think. Whether uh, whenever you know Rodon or Severino get back, right, and if he finds himself flexed to be either a stretch guy or something like that, if he's pitching as good as in my mind as he appeared to be on Tuesday then I don't think there's much debate about what he needs to be and what his role is with the team. Um, look, like I said, I mean, it really is the reason why I got pulled is because pitch count. He had eight strikeouts, but he also, I think, walked three or something like that. But he, he looked super, super good, I thought, in his first outing on the year, especially after getting kicked back a couple of days. Yeah, he gave up two home runs, which are both solo shots, which, you know, you'll take that all day, just solo shots. So it was a 2 nothing game for a good chunk of time, and I don't know. To me, he did have strikeout stuff. As you said, he had eight, but he maybe he just kind of ran out of gas towards right. the end of his outing, and that's when he gave up those other two. Um, well, actually, Michael King you know, came in and gave him up. But they were right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I thought I agree with you. I thought Herman pitched really well, and I think he should stay in the rotation over a guy like Clark Schmidt. I like Clark Schmidt. I just don't like Clark Schmidt as a starter. Right. And we do have some some breaking news here, by the way. Officially, Francisco Alvarez gets to call up to the Mets. So you were spot on, Kyle. But the formality just went through. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. Uh, we have a couple other news and notes here. Josh Donaldson kind of mentioned it. Uh, left yesterday's game with uh, what they're describing as right right hamstring tightness for the time being. Uh, he'll be reevaluated today at some point. Uh, the Yankees are. Again, kind of like the Mets, de facto off day. Baltimore preemptively postponed uh, the game today because of the weather. Um, Boone says, you know, it's not serious, nothing severe, but it's a hamstring. <laughs> so, um, yeah, great, great stuff there. Um, you guys had to do some position changing after that. IKF comes in, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, it's interesting because at the end of the day, um, I know, like I said, I know we dunk on him and everything like that, but you know, at the end of the day, you don't want you don't want the injury bug, especially something like a hamstring that, like I said, like we alluded to, right? It lingers. It's tough to kind of actually get fully healthy on, and for a, at a premium position like third, you know, it's certainly you don't want your starter to be strung with that all year. Yeah, you don't want him to get anyone to get injured, but. It wouldn't really kill this team if he did go <laughs> on the injured list. Um, you easily slide DJ at third, and boom, yeah. you have a solid infield. I'm not saying Donaldson is not a great defender because he is, but um, also I don't know. Like you never know with Aaron Boone right away. You know I'm a big Aaron Boone guy, as you would know, Paul. But sometimes when Boone talks, he likes to cover things up a right. little bit. Right. So yeah, it might not be too severe right now, but then later when we get off the air here we could find out that he's heading to the injured list. That's happened way too many times over his 
um, time managing the Yankees. So yeah. we'll see what happens here. But if he does miss time, it's not going to kill this team. Speaking of killing this team, um, outfield there and Hicks, uh, noticeably not not playing all that much at the moment. Uh, recently sat down uh, with the Athletics' uh, Brendan K- uh, Cuddy. Um, w- more or less, what were your takeaways from it, Kyle? Well, I mean, I don't get why he had to say like exactly what he said, saying that you know he. Well, I I get what he's saying. Like he wants to play. He doesn't want to come off the bench. But with his performance the last couple of years and his spring training performance, I mean, did you really expect to start? So I just kind of didn't really like the comments. And then when he has been in games, he hasn't done a whole lot. He was on base one time. Um, his defense is fine, but, I mean, why would you start a guy who just hasn't done much at the plate? And then you got a guy like Oswaldo Cabrera who has. So I, I get he's frustrated with his role. I mean, anyone would want to play any every day. But when you're not performing, you're not going to play. It's that simple. Yeah, it's it's weird because I feel like I've been a very – at least collectively over time, a very big Aaron Hicks apologist. And um, I think, you know, I, I don't want to go back to it, but something that, you know, we, we kind of discussed a little bit with IKF, you know, a few weeks ago when, you know, he was all for trying different positions because he just wants to try and help the team out as best as he can and, and go out and win. Um, I think it's the tale of, of different types of ball players at this point, or maybe it just at different points of their career, right? I mean, IKF – Still a little bit younger than than Hicks, but you know, I, and I don't know. I, I I just I don't understand why. And I'm all for if you're a player, you know, you vent your frustrations and stuff like this. I I just I don't understand why a guy like Hicks just can't try and find a role somewhere within this team, like IKF's trying to do. And you know, that's where I do have to give a guy like like Connor Falefa credit because he's going out there and he's actually trying to make an impact somewhere even though you know his main role has been taken away from him yeah uh, i think it was michael k who kind of mentioned this on his radio show hicks plays left and center that's it he doesn't play right he doesn't play an infield spot and with stanton now playing the outfield and with that with them adding um franchi cordero it really limits his opportunities and then when he does get in games and i like i just said he doesn't perform i mean what do you expect where where is there a spot for him and, and where why would you put him in one of the spots um, when he's not performing? I mean, they put an IKF over him in the outfield even the other day. Yeah, I mean, like the other day he started – well, I think he started actually the last oh, two really? games against Philly. Oh. Um, I, don't, I, I don't have a problem at all with him starting here and there. But to do it every day like he wants, no way. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's just going to be something that uh, – I don't know if there's a trade partner for him out there at this point anymore. I mean, the, the fact that his deal is it, – it's still a marginally good deal that you can move, right? It's $10 million a year type type stuff. I mean, that's water in, a, water in the bowl type thing. But who's going to take him at this point? I, I, I don't know. I, I just – I don't know. guess you'd have to find one desperate team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know who's, who's that going to be. I mean, I – I wouldn't say it's going to be a deadline-type thing where it's just like you have to salary dump him, but that might be the case at this point. I, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't know. And the whole thing, quickly before we uh, yeah. move on, the whole thing with the booing of the players and especially Hicks, 
I mean, why? I like that Hicks is not soft about it and understands, but like some of these fans and stuff, like, like it's just obnoxious. Like, there's no need to continue to sit there and call Aaron Hicks out for him not performing and saying that they hope he's dead and this and that. Like that, that's yeah. like just for a guy that's not performing. Like, yeah, it hasn't went well, but I just I know I'm a fan of the team too, but. Yankee fans are the worst. Like, if That's, a guy's not performing, yeah. you don't call out his family, his life. It's just it's ridiculous. It, it goes back to what we were saying about Joey Gallo, the Joey Gallo situation last year. There's there's a time and a space, but only a certain way that you can go about it. And uh, Yeah, just boo yeah. the guy. Right. You know, yeah. that's it. You don't need to go any further on Twitter and all this and send him messages, and it's just uh, Yankee fans go overboard sometimes. Yeah. No, yeah, I the collective is is brutal sometimes uh, with that. So um, let's uh, quickly discuss here the series in Baltimore. I mentioned right de facto off day today for the club as the game tonight has been postponed because of weather. Uh, so three game normal three game series starting tomorrow night or well tomorrow afternoon rather. Is it still technically Camden Yards? I feel like they did a name rights thing, but yeah, it's way. Oriole Park yeah. at Camden Yards. Yeah, okay, so we're good there. Anyway, um, we'll we'll circle back actually to tomorrow's game last. Uh, there's only two confirmed starters for the Yankees Saturday, 7:05 on Yes. Nasty Nestor gets the nod. He'll face Cole Irvin, uh, and then on Sunday at 1:35, first pitch on Yes. And then will be Network. It will be Herman versus Two be announced for Baltimore. Tomorrow, Baltimore's going to throw Dean Kramer, but um, for the Yankees, it's TBA, and I think we heard Boone mention it the other day, uh, but it sounds like tomorrow's going to be that bullpen-style game that he alluded to. Yeah, um, which is going to become very interesting, you know, trying to fill nine innings at least, as long as it doesn't go to extra innings. And, and that, but I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's where, for me, that goes back to the whole Johnny Brito thing in the first place. Like, I, I, because he can't, you can't call him back up now for another nine days from today's date of April 6th. So. Yeah. And, yeah, that's the thing. Unless there was an injury, you can't call him back up. And, there's no real guy on that Scranton roster that you could really call up to start a game for the Yankees. So I guess they're just going to piece it together and we're going to see a lot of pitching changes and stuff, but don't really like that setup. I think for me it kind of depends a little bit who they officially go with to get the start. Um, who do you think they go with? I think they go Kinger in all honesty. I think they go Mike King. To, to get the first couple innings. So, Schmidt pitched Saturday. Yeah. Oh, it could be Schmidt, I guess. So, yeah. I'm wondering if they start him. Um, don't really ride him as long as they tried to do right. against the Giants. He's just not a starter to me. He just no. he falls apart when he gets to the third, fourth, fifth inning. And I think he's good for a, at least two innings. So, if I'm them, I'd start Schmidt for two innings. If he is pitching well, maybe stretch him to a third and then piece it together after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I, yeah, I forgot about the fact that he's technically available there. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm but like, it is interesting that they haven't it. already like put it on. You know, they haven't named it. So I mean, it's not like they definitely want to start him. They're considering other options. So I guess maybe something else could happen. I vote Wandy Peralta. 
<laughs> that would be interesting. Unleash unleash Wandy out there for the first like two innings. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> oh, it'd be tremendous. He would be so excited too. I love Wandy so much. Talk about a guy that we that we collectively dunked on for a little bit, but jeez, man, what a what a player he's been. Yeah, his first, if I remember correct, his first like, like 10, 10 appearances weren't really too impressive, and then all of a sudden something clicked, yeah. probably with the help of Matt Blake, who was just changes everyone's pitching career around, it seems, yeah. that's struggling. Um, but, yeah, Lonnie's a big piece of this team right now. All right, let's, uh, before we head out here, we got to talk about some minor league action here at Syracuse and Rochester in Syracuse. They have so far split the series one-to-one. Uh, they get back going still as scheduled at the moment for tonight uh, and then the rest of the weekend there. Um, but already we're, we're seeing the rosters kind of in flux a little bit. So, you know, it looks like Nick Merrill will get the plug in now for the S-Mets uh, for probably the rest of the weekend or bulk of the weekend behind the dish. Uh, for Rochester, kind of mentioned a little bit Stone Garrett getting called up, but Darren Baker having himself a year so far to get going out of the gate. Uh, if that name sounds familiar. Um, the 2002 postseason says hello for the Giants' bat boy that J.T. Snow had to save. Uh, and Dusty Baker's son doing a really great job so far with, with Rochester, in my opinion, and uh, be really interested to see there. Rochester got their first one of the season last night, uh, bringing that series to a split, as I mentioned. Um, I believe really, – I can't remember who got – technically announced as a starter tonight for Rochester. I want to say Peralta, but uh, that's the tough part about Meyer Lees as we've come to learn, right? We don't know who's officially thrown for who until usually day of. I do have the game notes right here. Um, so let me just pull them up real sure, quick. Sure. Um, they just came through. The starter tonight for Rochester will be jeez. Um, they didn't put it right at the top. Brutal. <laughs> Uh, it's Willie Peralta versus oh, Tony Dibrell, or Dibrell, if yeah. I said his name right. So that's the pitching matchup tonight. Yeah, so, I, you know, it shouldn't be that bad of a night if you're able to get out. Um, you know, as long as it stays dry, it should be a decent night at the ballpark if you're able to get out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pretty interesting. I know, um, Kyle, your pick of a true sports looking better than mine of Rochester just taking it outright, so uh, kudos to you there. But... Um, my question to you is, have you seen what has been going on, though, down the throughway with fellow throughway cup competitor, the Buffalo Bisons, by chance? I have. I've noticed a lot of rainouts, and yes. rainouts to the point where I'm wondering, what's the deal with the tarp? So, good news. I have an answer here, and I will read the statement. I'll put up on the screen here from Anthony Sprague, their GM. So, this is from technically two days ago. So I need to preface it with that. This portion of it has nothing really to do with the rains that we had yesterday throughout New York State, although that did not help their matters at all uh, that much either. Um, so, Bison fans, regrettably, we have to postpone Tuesday's Bison's game at Saline Field because of the condition of the field. will not allow for safe play for the Bison's and Red Sox player. They're playing. They are hosting the Who Sox. A series of unfortunate and unforeseen events began this weekend with high winds destroyed their field tarp. Our field tarp... Um, so this is where we have to give a lot of kudos here to the Rochester Red Wings for their generosity of a great partner. The Rochester Red Wings provided us with their secondary field tarp in hopes of holding up to last night's and this morning's rainfall. As mentioned, this was from Tuesday. Unfortunately, the heavy rains penetrated through the infield and the lack of sun and wind this morning did not give the field enough time to drain and adequately 
dry it. Um, so obviously yesterday's rain just completely dismantled it, but um, really fluke deal what happened in Buffalo, but kudos to Rochester for helping out and stepping up in a very, very tough spot uh, for a team to have to go through with this, especially, uh, look, if you're in upstate New York like, like we are um, in the rains that have came through really the past 36 hours, whew, uh, you, you would need a lot more than a tarp most of the time to, to handle what has come through. So, uh, like I said, kudos to Rochester for, for helping out the Bisons here in a tough spot. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times with these minor league games, um, for example, Sunday, uh, the Red Wings postponed their game, and it wasn't because of the weather. They said unplayable field conditions. So I don't know if you would know, Paul, but why is it that the major leagues can pull the tarp off and get the field ready, but a lot of times in the minor leagues they list it as unplayable field conditions. It's yeah. like they can't get the field ready. Yeah, so th this one's a bit, like I said, it's a bit of an outlier because uh, the wind got a hold of it and just – destroyed it to it just damaged it to a point that it's technically destroyed right so yeah like sunday in rochester yeah. there was no rain in the morning and there was an afternoon game why yeah. didn't they work on the field all morning so a lot of it is especially these early season games even late season games now to be fair because we go deeper into september now with triple a baseball is staff issues so you know you don't see it rarely in the summer because you have more people working by more people working i mean younger kids like whether it's really our age down to say high schoolers who are in college who are that's their summer job interns who are out of you know out of the academic year of college and into their you know field period doing those internships that's what would do a lot of the work at the minor league level um you know i mentioned and i i, don't, I feel like I, we don't say this enough right but i said you know bison's gm Trip, a, a, man, a minor league general manager does not do the same thing as a major league general manager. Um, minor league general managers, they don't handle the rosters or transactions. Some may have some role in it, don't get me wrong, but you're doing a lot of marketing, you're doing a lot of sales, you're doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, a marketing side of things would really handle at the big league level, you're handling at the minor league level. It just comes down to workforce a lot of times, more or less than anything else. Um, it, like I said, really the bookends of the year, the early and the end of season. Um, could stuff be done to help out better? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, Buffalo's going to look at probably, for example, you know, where did where did their staking go wrong, you know, type thing. Like where did, where was there not enough weight, something like that. But you can't blame them for probably doing some of the they've continuously just done in the past, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work this time. Yeah, um, it's just, you know, Sunday's game kind of sucks because there's no time to make it up, and um, it actually wasn't raining, but they just couldn't get the field ready, yeah. so it's unfortunate. Yeah, and like I mentioned, it's just, it's just a staff issue for the most part, and, uh, you know, I could be wrong in this situation, but it's usually the case for most minor league teams this time of year and uh, in the fall, so... That'll happen. All right, so like I, like we mentioned on Tuesday, we'll be back to our Monday and Thursday schedule beginning next week, so don't uh, go anywhere and miss that. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, big uh, big weekend here. Baseball's pretty much uh, the center stage here now outside of uh, pretty much the winter sports wrapping up. So I'm assuming, uh, Kyle, you'll have uh, – 
plethora of games ready to go for you watching this weekend. Yep, and a lot of bets. I've been betting a lot over the last week and uh, winning some money, losing some money, and uh-huh. just, just having fun. <laughs> That'll happen. That'll happen. So that's good to hear. So, yeah, uh, if everybody hasn't already, like, share, subscribe, all the fun stuff, and we will be back on Monday to recap the weekend. Talk to everybody then. Bye.